I keep telling everybody they should move on. Some do, but not us. Even if there's a small chance, we owe this to everyone who's not in this room to try. We will. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Hello, Cathedral. It's great to see everybody today. I'm so glad that you're here, especially as we kick off this brand new series. For the last few years, what we've done is in the summer, we take a look at some of the blockbuster movies and, well, some of the themes that are found in those movies and then what the Bible has to say about those themes. And today, I don't know, was I seeing things? Was some of our staff in that trailer? Now, that trailer from Endgame, Endgame is the biggest blockbuster of all time. It made over $1 billion on opening weekend. It's made over $2.8 billion to date. It was so, so many people buying tickets when Endgame, that opening weekend, it crashed the Fandango system. And I heard that one person, in order to have a special showing of Endgame, they paid for one ticket $15,000. I hope that came with unlimited popcorn. <laughs> if you've seen the movie, if you haven't seen the movie, if you don't know about that whole Marvel Universe thing, there are 22 different Marvel movies that were all building up to this one moment. It's an epic battle to see where the Marvel Universe ends up. What is the end game? And for the next few moments, that's what I'd like us to think about. Where is all of this headed? Where is the world going? How do things end up? What is the end game of God? So I invite you to stand with me, if you would, as we look at the book of Revelation, chapter 21, wherever you're at on campus. Again, thanks so much for joining us. Revelation chapter 21, let's take a look at the end game of God. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. Wait a second, time out. I love the ocean. What's the deal with no more sea? Well, in our day, modern times, we have tamed the sea in a lot of ways, but in ancient days, the sea was always viewed as a treacherous, dangerous place where evil lurked 
beneath it. And this is a way of saying, in the new heaven and the new earth, there's going to be no more storms. Can somebody say amen to that? There'll be no more shipwrecks. There'll be no more sea monsters. No more sinking to the bottom of the ocean in Davy Jones' locker. No more sea. And then Revelation continues. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I've been a pastor for 38 years. I've done a lot of weddings over that time, and I can truly say I've never seen an ugly bride. Never happened. When those doors open and that bride steps into the church, there's a radiant beauty about her, And the Bible says, when that holy city and the people in it descend, it's like a beautiful bride stepping into the church. And then Revelation 21 continues. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. There's no more separation between heaven and earth. They will be his people And God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death. Can somebody say amen to that? No more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Can we give God praise for the hope that we have because of his word? This is the end game of God. That history is not an endless circle, it's a line. There was a start to it, and there will be an end to it. But the end of the line is not the end of the line. It's the start of a perfect world. The end of the present world is the start of a perfect world that one day Jesus will return. There'll be the resurrection of the dead. There will be the final judgment. And then there'll be the new heaven and the new earth. God says, I am making all things new. This is the end game of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this moment in time. Thank you for this amazing cathedral family, friends, guests, wherever they're out on campus, those that are watching online, around the Bay Area, around the world. Father, we're so grateful for this moment. I pray that in these next few moments that we would hear you speak to us, that we'd hear the one thing that we need to hear, that we would take hold of it, it would take hold of us, and we will leave here changed because we've met you in this place. This week will be different because of the hope that we have in our hearts. That's our heart, that's our desire. Start with me, God, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. One more time, can we give God praise for his word, amen. Amen. Now, before you're seated, how about if we have a little fun, get in touch with your inner child, 
And growing up, did you have a favorite superhero? If you did, turn to somebody before you're seated, introduce yourself to them, give them their, your name, and then tell them your favorite superhero, or if you really want to get into the part, look at them and say, my name is Ken, and I am Captain America. <laughs> so go ahead, let's take a moment, have some fun, get to know some people around you. Oh, it's great to see everybody. One of the most important questions you will ever answer is what is the end game? Where is all this headed? And if we're moving toward a perfect world, how that vision of the perfect world will transform the way that we live in the present world, that's what I want you to think with me about. What does a perfect world look like and how will it transform the way that I live this week? Uh, some kids were asked about their vision of a perfect world and kids are, I love their authenticity. One child wrote this, said in a perfect world, lima beans would be illegal. <laughs> and here's, here's another child, they wrote this, in a perfect world there is peace and harmony. Everyone would be nice. Even robbers would say, please hand me that money. <laughs> or how about this one? In a perfect world, I could turn my little brother into an ant and step on him. <laughs> what is the vision of the perfect world and how will it impact the way that we live in the present world Look with me, first of all, at the vision of creation. The perfect world when it comes to creation. What is the end game? In Revelation 22, we read this about this new heaven and new earth. That in the middle, <coughs> I'm sorry, on each side of the tree stood, uh, on each side of the river stood the tree of life. The tree of life, that sounds familiar. Go all the way back to the start of it all in the book of Genesis. And there in the Garden of Eden, we find this verse. It says, in the middle of the garden was the tree of life. We know what happened after that, that human beings, we sinned and so paradise was lost but this tree of life in the new heaven and new earth is a way of saying to us sin will not have the last word in our world Jesus will have the last word on our world he will and paradise is coming back you and I we have two tickets to paradise this is where the end game is headed. And when it comes to the new heaven and the new earth, can you imagine what that's going to be like? That even living on this side of a broken world, here we are in a broken world and there's still so much of God's beauty 
that shines through. You look around you at the creation and then you find mountains and waterways and sunrises and sunsets and you have trees and forests and then you have animals, dogs and, and cats, although I'm not sure about cats. I got to say, I'm not sold on the whole cat thing. But if you have all of this beauty in the broken world and then imagine how Jesus is going to take the present earth and renew it. It's interesting, there are two words in the first century that were used to speak of new. Kainos was a word to describe something that was brand new. It had never been in existence before. Naos is a word that was used to describe something that was like new. It had been restored and renewed. And the word that is used in the book of Revelation is naos, that sin will not have the last word on creation, Jesus will have the last word on creation, that he will take the earth and renew it and restore it so it is just like new. Paradise is coming back. I love how Romans 8 describes it. It says, creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. The creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. That human beings were the high point of creation, but we're not the only part of creation that God cares about his whole creation and will restore and renew it so paradise is coming back. Can you imagine? This is what creation is waiting for in anticipation. In fact, if you have eyes to see on your way out to your car in the parking lot, look around you and you will see that the trees are standing on their tiptoes, waiting in anticipation for the end game of God. And meanwhile, while we wait for that day, that perfect world that is coming, we work with God to make this a better world. See, the vision of the future informs how we live the present, that we live toward that reality if paradise is coming back, then we lean into that and we take care of God's creation to bring a little more paradise to right here and right now. That's why I'm so excited about our San Jose Beautify project. We're going to take that freeway off-ramp right there at 87 and Kirtner, and we're in the process right now, a landscape architect is designing something that we'll submit to the city, a plan to take that off-ramp and populate it with beautiful plants and rock formations and colors and inspiring words, words like dream and believe and imagine. So even as you're pulling off the freeway, faith is starting to build in your heart. Can somebody say amen? I'm believing. 
I'm believing it's going to be a testimony, the most beautiful off-ramp in the entire city. And when people ask us why, say that with me, why? Say it again, why? We have an answer. In fact, when my wife was out there with Pastor Mike and my brother and the cleanup crew a few weeks ago, someone came up to them and they asked them why. They said, what did you do? Because they thought they were on work for low for DUIs. But when someone asked you, why are you taking care of creation? We have an answer. See, that may belong to the city in one sense, but in the bigger picture, this is our Father's world. Paradise is coming back. And we're at work with God to take care of his good creation. See, it's our vision of the end game that shapes the way that we live in the present. C.S. Lewis once said this. He said, if you read history, you will find that the Christians who did the most for the present world were precisely those who thought the most of the next. It's our vision of the end game informs the way we live in the present. There's the end game when it comes to creation. Can we take just a moment and can we give God thanks for the beautiful world that we still live in? Amen. Let's give God praise, especially here in the Bay Area. Wow, what a beautiful world. And then I love this next one, the end game when it comes to connection. Would you look at what Revelation says about that end game? It says, the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him, and they will see his face. Would you say that with me? They will see his face. Face to face. Imagine that. When I went to college, phones looked a little bit more like this. Can you see this? Not quite this old, but they were old. We didn't have cell phones, and to make a long-distance call, three minutes cost a lot of money. But my dad and I, we had a very good relationship, and so first year away at college, I started calling him. Every Saturday night, I would call him for three minutes at a time. I would call him. I would dial the phone. You remember how you had to dial the phone, and you'd dial his number, and He'd pick up, and I'd hear his voice on the other end of the phone, and man, it was great. It was the highlight of my week. It really was to connect with my dad over the phone. But then the school year would end, and I'd get in my car, and I'd drive from Tulsa back to San Jose, and I'd pull into, well, the street that I grew up on is right down Kirtner, Gunner Drive. I'd pull into the driveway, and I'd walk to that door, And when my dad opened the door, and I'd see him face to face, what a moment. And to think that you and I, in the end game, there's going to be no more phone calls to God. We're going to see him face to face. That right now we practice his presence, we enjoy his presence, we talk with him and we listen to him. But one day the phones are going to go away. Right now we live by faith, but then we're going to know by sight. 
And we're going to walk with him and work with him and worship him to see God face to face. The Bible says about that moment that God's dwelling place is now among the people. What a day that's going to be. Our connection with God will be complete. And then our connection with others, the, the peace and harmony that we'll have. I found some pictures of, well, these animals you usually don't see hanging out together. Here's one of a monkey and a tiger. Would you look at that? And then here's another one with a dog and a lion. Would you look at that? And then here's another one with a cat. <laughs> I told you, you can't trust those cats. Don't trust those cats. Did you know the Bible pictures what the end game is? Our connection with each other. It says this. It says the wolf and the lamb will graze the same meadow. The lion and the ox will eat straw from the same trough. The wolf and the lamb hanging out together. Wow. I heard about this one guy. He was so mad at his ex-wife. He said, when you die, I'm going to dance on your grave. She said, good. I'm going to be buried at sea. <laughs> Go ahead. The Bible gives us a picture that in that day, even with the ex, no more strife, no more division. No more fighting. In fact, Isaiah 2 puts it this way. It says, they will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. And all God's people said, amen for that day. Lord, we look forward to that day. But in the meantime, it's our vision of the end game that shapes the way that we live now. And Cathedral, let me challenge you, everybody that's a part of the Cathedral family, make it your mission this week. There is so much division and, and fighting and quarreling in our world. It seems like every time you turn around, somebody is at somebody else's throat. And we are empowered with the good news of Jesus Christ, amen? And what if we make it our mission this week that everywhere we go, we're going to plant seeds of love and seeds of kindness and seeds of peace. We pray for peace. We work for peace. The Bible says those who make peace should plant peace like a seed. And when we plant peace like a seed in our neighborhood, in our home, at our work, Never underestimate the power of a seed. There was another film that came out earlier this year. We had a special showing for the folks at Cathedral, and it was called The Best of Enemies. If you didn't see it, let me tell you the plot line. It's based on a true story about a white guy who was the leader of the Ku Klux Klan in his town and a black lady who was the leading activist in her town. And at the start of the movie, they were at each other's throats. And 
If you said at the start of the movie, is there any chance that these two are going to find a way to get along, you would say, you might as well look for a wolf going on vacation with a lamb. That's never going to happen. And yet, never underestimate the power of a seed. Because these two people who started out as enemies ended up being the best of friends and they worked against segregation in that town and then they went on until the day that they died traveling around the country together talking about what God can do if you will give him a chance by planting a seed of peace. Amen. Let's give God praise. That's the kind of thing that God can do. Hallelujah. So what's the end game when it comes to creation, when it comes to connection and how we live that out? And then finally, this one's powerful. The end game when it comes to conquest. Victory. Say that with me. Victory. Say it again. Victory. Now, if you're not a Marvel Universe person, let me explain who this bad guy is. There's a bad guy in the film. His name is Thanos, and he's the personification of evil. And Thanos is the personification of evil. He just, wow, he's a bad dude. He's got other minions, but he doesn't just want to kill half the human race. That's not enough for him. He wants to destroy the entire human race. He says in the movie, he is inevitable. And yet, spoiler alert, the Marvel superheroes, with some casualties, they take him down and the good guys win. And I was thinking, it reminds me of something that I read in the Bible. Because there's someone who's the personification of evil. His name is the devil. And the end game for the devil is this. When the new heaven and the new earth is described, there's no mention of the devil because the devil's not there. There's no more death, no more mourning, no more pain, no more sickness, and no more devil. The devil will be done away with once and for all. Revelation 20 says this, it says, Then the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur forever and forever. If you're looking forward to that day, let's give God praise. That's where this is headed. That's why when the devil reminds me about my past, does he do that to you? When he reminds me about my past, I just remind him about his future I know how this thing ends up. The end game of God is this, that the devil and evil are done away with once and for all. Can you imagine a world where there's no more mass shootings, where there's no more sex trafficking, where there's no more domestic violence? Imagine a world where your kids can walk to school again and where... Women can walk in the park at night again, where you can go to a Sharks game and you don't have to go through security, where when you go into your house, you don't have to 
There's no alarms. There's no cameras. There's no locks on your doors. You don't have to worry about losing your keys because you don't need any keys. The Bible says that the gates in this new earth, they're always open. Evil's done away with. The devil is done away with. This is where we're headed, and that future victory was secured 2,000 years ago. On a cross at Calvary and in an empty tomb. You see, Jesus in his life, when he faced off with the devil, it was an epic battle. Don't miss what was going on. It was an epic cosmic battle between God and Satan, between good and evil. Which one was going to prevail? And when Jesus was crucified and stuck in that tomb, it looked like evil prevailed. In fact, if Jesus had never stepped out of that tomb, we wouldn't know. Was evil stronger than good? Was Satan stronger than God? We would never know. But Jesus stepped out of the tomb. On that third day, Jesus stepped out of that tomb. And when Jesus stepped out of that tomb, he was victorious. And that victory back then, it was the decisive victory in the war. And that's why we know there's a future victory ahead because of Jesus' victory 2,000 years ago. And you and I in this present moment can lean into that victory even now. I don't know what kind of battle you're fighting. I don't. But I know there's a real battle in our world There's evil out here, but there's evil in here. And Jesus is the only one. When you put your faith in him and lean into him and you identify with him, his victory can become your victory. That Jesus is the ultimate answer to evil in our world. I love education, but education is not the ultimate answer. I love good laws, but good laws are not the ultimate answer. I love counseling, and counseling is good as far as it goes, but the ultimate answer to evil in our world is still the name of Jesus Christ because only Jesus has the power to change the human heart and cure the human condition, and he has the power to help me live where I overcome the evil with good. And what he's done for me, he can do for you. Whatever battle you're facing, begin to sense victory is in the air. Get up in the morning like this lady up here. She said, be the kind of woman that when you hit your feet or when your feet hit the floor each morning, the devil says, oh no, she's up. (laughs) Be that kind of woman. Be that kind of man. His victory becomes your victory. This is the end game. We've read the end of the book. We've seen the end of the movie. We know who wins. A month ago, someone gave me a T-shirt. It's funny how these things work out. And this T-shirt has all these superheroes on it. And in the middle is Jesus. And they're all listening to Jesus. They're locked in on Jesus. 
And Jesus says, and that's how I saved the world. And he will. And he did. And he does. In fact, Revelation 19, I want to read it to you. It's a striking picture of the end game of God when Jesus returns. Look at how it reads. Then I saw heaven open, and there before me was a white horse. White's a symbol of victory. The rider on the horse was called Faithful and True because he is right in his judging and in making war. His eyes were like burning fire. He had many crowns on his head. A name was written on him, but he was the only one who knew its meaning. So majestic is Jesus. He was dressed in a robe, dipped in blood, and he was called the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following the rider on the white horse. They were riding white horses. They were dressed in fine linen, white and clean. A sharp sword came out of the rider's mouth, the Word of God. A sword that he would use to defeat the nations. And he will rule the nations with a rod of iron, no more resistance. He will crush the grapes in the winepress of the terrible anger of God, all-powerful. And on his robe and on his leg was written this name, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This is the end game of God, making all things new, a new heaven, a new earth, a new me, a new you. What kind of end game is that? Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Bow your heads with me for just a moment. The worship arts team has put together a very special number to celebrate the end game of God. But before they do, I just want to ask you a quick question with heads bowed, eyes closed. If you would say, Pastor Ken, today's my day. I need to become a follower of Jesus. I like Jesus. I've heard about Jesus, but I've never stepped across the line and surrendered my life to him. And today is my day. Every journey starts with a step. And if that's the step you're making today, would you lift up your hand? I just want to agree with you that today's your day right here. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you in the back, up in the balcony. You'd say, Pastor Ken, that's me. Anybody else? God bless you. I agree with you. I agree with you. Today's your day. Today's your day. Father, thank you for this wonderful moment where people are connecting with you through Jesus Christ. And God, I pray that each of us, as we look toward the ultimate end game, that even this week, we would enjoy the beauty of your creation. And God, we would enjoy the connection we have with you and the connection we have with others. And then this week would be a week of conquest for us, that we would live in victory, that your victory would become our victory. And Jesus, we look forward to that day. Oh my, with hearts of hope, we've seen the end of the movie. And because of Jesus, we win. Amen and amen and amen. Can we give God praise one more time? Thank you, God. Hallelujah.
Oh, let your heart be moved to worship as Aaron Lindsay and the worship arts team share this number with you.
that anchors our heart. Amen. We've seen the end of the movie, and because of Jesus, we win victory. Say that with me. Victory.